I love being a priest. The last three and a half months have been the best of my life. But I do need to be honest with you about something. And to be honest, I'm probably going to get in trouble with the diocese for saying this. <laughs> Celibacy is really hard. And I find myself in a tough position. Because while I like being a priest, I have realized recently that I am still in love with my ex-wife. So while I like being a priest, there is still a strong connection to her. And while I don't think it will happen, I can't rule out the possibility that I will never go back to her if this life gets too hard. That would be a really weird thing for a priest to say in a homily, right? Like, if that was real, we would all be calling the diocese and be like, this priest is broken. You need to send us another one. Everything I just said is false, except for the ex-wife part. She exists. But this is the attitude we have when we talk about sin. We talk about having an encounter with the gospel, and then our lives remain unchanged as if we never had an encounter with Jesus. We believe in Jesus, but we still really like some of our sins. So much so that our life remains relatively unchanged. We have the sins that we like. We have the sins that we're okay with. And we have the sins that, frankly, we just really aren't ready to give up yet. And so while we want to follow Jesus in everything that he asks of us, we just aren't convinced that we won't go back to our favorite sins if things become difficult. Now, one of my favorite sayings, you can find this on t-shirts and bumper stickers and on Etsy and on Amazon, but it says, everything happens for a reason, and sometimes that reason is because you're dumb and you make bad decisions. Man, did the Israelites really embody that phrase. Everything that happens to them in the Old Testament that is bad is because they chose bad things. Moses tells them to wait in anticipation while he goes to talk with God on Mount Sinai. And they wait about 4.5 seconds before they give themselves to idolatry and do the exact thing that Moses tells them not to do. But they let their hearts go astray and turn to stone. Psalm 51, which we just heard, which is my favorite psalm of all of the 150, is begging God that we be cleansed from our bad choices, which lead to sin. It asks for a new heart, one devoted to God, one that loves God above all else. In the second reading, Paul is thanking God for exchanging his heart of stone for a new heart, which he now has as a response to an intense experience with Jesus. Which of us here can't relate to Paul when he says, I was once a blasphemer and arrogant, but I have been treated mercifully. Out of God's goodness, every single one of us is offered the mercy of God, not because we deserve it, in spite of the fact that we absolutely do not deserve it. So often people have an intense experience with God in some way, and then they experience 
cognitive dissonance. The mental conflict that they're experiencing is due to the fact that they are brought to a decision point where either they need to change their life to be in line with the gospel, or they must abandon the Lord. True story this time. In my first year in seminary, it became very clear that I had a drinking problem. Not wanting to get kicked out of seminary, I went to the administration and asked for help. And that worked for about two months, at which point I convinced myself that I was in fact not an alcoholic, so I kept closet drinking for the next two years. I was praying a lot to discern God's will for me, but at the same time I was getting loaded every night in my room and hoping that no one noticed in the morning if I was too hungover at morning prayer. I was lying to the diocese, to the school, to my friends, telling them all that I was sober when questioned. Fast forward to my second summer assignment. I was in a very similar pattern of doing my work in the office every day, coming back to my room in the rectory, and drinking until I was close to passing out. One evening, I was sitting there with a glass of whiskey in my hand watching Netflix, and unexpectedly, in the blink of an eye, like a flash of lightning, I had the gift of infused knowledge. It was a moment of epiphany. There wasn't a voice in my head, but one moment I was watching TV, and the next moment I was convinced of an entire truth. And this is what the Lord convicted me of. He said, Dan, you have two options right now. You can keep drinking and become a priest, and in a few years give in to your weaknesses and either have an affair with one of the women in the parish, or run that parish into the ground, or just cause people to leave the church because of your terrible attitude and volatile personality, and you can continue to bring scandal and disgrace to the priesthood. Or you can stop drinking, get sober, and be a phenomenal priest. You can change people's lives and bring them to heaven, but you have to stop drinking to do that. The choice is yours, though. I won't force you to do anything that you don't want to. That was July 3rd of 2015. Two days later, I walked into my first serious AA meeting, and I have actually been sober ever since. Praise God that I grabbed the life preserver offered to me and that I didn't drown in my own sin. But God had brought me to a decision point that I knew I could continue doing what I was doing and I knew what the outcome would be, or I could change and get my life more in line with the gospel. See, I know what it's like to be the prodigal son or that lost sheep. I know what it's like to wander away from the 99. I know what it's like to have the Lord come and search me out personally and find me and save me. And so I know that my entire ministry as a priest is focused on finding those other lost sheep and helping them in whatever way I can to experience the forgiveness, the healing, the love of God, just like I have. There is no way to experience the healing of the Lord and to have our hearts changed from hearts of stone to new hearts other than the sacrament of confession. If we are serious about being Catholic, then we must also be serious about confession. 
Recently, a non-Catholic friend of mine asked me, so someone can just come into confession every week and tell you that they've done the same thing over and over again, and you don't get tired of that? And I told her no, because every week they enter the confessional is a chance that they could change their life and never have to confess that sin again. Just because something is in our past, it doesn't predict our future. We may be creatures of habit, but we are also creatures endowed with grace. One confession, one good confession, has the power to radically change our lives forever. The sacrament of confession exists because every single one of us is familiar with making bad decisions. Just like the very first week that I was here 11 weeks ago, I urge you again this week to come to the sacrament of confession. We should not be receiving the Eucharist if we have serious sin on our heart or haven't been to confession in over a year. We cannot just profess belief in Jesus and still allow sin to live in our lives. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is very clear that when one repents, there is great rejoicing in heaven. This week, whether it's been a month or many years, give heaven something to rejoice over by coming to the sacrament of confession.